it's good to be with you. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter 17, or excuse me, Acts chapter 18 today. We'll kind of bounce around on our way to get there. Uh, as we're talking about something that we don't get to talk enough about, in my opinion, when it comes to Scripture and um, you know, the things that God is doing. I am in the air-conditioned spot. My Bible is just going to turn uh, a while here. In the, in the midst of that, what we're going to talk about is discovering community. But really, as I thought through the week, what I really wanted to say is we're, we're talking about friendship is what we're talking about uh, today. That To me, as I look in Acts chapter 18, that's what jumps out to me. And um, we, we don't get to talk about friendship quite enough because of, of all the other things we want to cover. Um, but I was reading in my, in my personal time this week, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 4, um, I, I told a friend I'd been in the Minor Prophets and Psalms for a while, and I just needed a story. Amen? Have you ever been like, Lord, just give me a story, because I can follow that. Uh, 1 Kings, phenomenal phenomenal book God just kind of walking through it I came across a verse I'd probably skimmed over a thousand times before uh in, in first kings chapter four it's talking about uh, Solomon and all the officials he put in place you know what I'm talking about when, when you read stuff like that you're like fast forward through the names of the official okay I'll start reading here have y'all ever done that okay if you haven't you're better than I am like in numbers they start numbering off like when I stop seeing numbers there that's when I'll start again so I'm reading through and I come across this verse in first Kings chapter 4 talking about Solomon and it says uh, Zabud son of Nathan was priest and the king's friend thought, well that's interesting I mean everybody else it was like you know priest Overseer of the soldiers. It was just their title all the way through. But when you come to Zabad, it was Zabad, son of Nathan the prophet, a priest, and the king's friend. And, and in that moment, just chewing on the passage that we were going to be through this week, it, it reminded me of the value that God has placed and, and given in friendship. I remember uh, starting off when Christy and I were in student ministry, newlyweds. We we just got married. We'd gone to this church, and everybody was old, like they were in their thirties. And and in our twenties, we're thinking we have nothing in common with these old people, right? <laughs> Such a sad day. And and so I remember going to our pastor and saying, "Here's the here's the deal. If we're going to survive here." Everyone that walks in the door that looks close to like having something in common with us, we're gonna attack. We're just gonna, we're gonna go like all out. And as the youth minister had great relationships with all of our youth workers who were those older people in their 30s and 40s, you know, my pastor and all that kind of stuff. But I just remember just desiring some, someone to kind of run through life. And I got to see in some of our students some families that had, had run life together for decades. And their, their kids were friends. And just, just kind of just saying, God, I would love a friend that I could share life with. And that my children just could share life with. And I hadn't seen that a lot growing up. Um, in our family, there were a lot of fringe, fringe friends, so to speak, but, but no deep friendships um, that I could look for in my, in my setting where we're here in Houston. 
And I thought, Lord, if I could ever have that, that would be such an amazing gift. And what I, what I realized now is I was asking for the Lord for something he wanted for me. He wanted me to have deep relationships, but not just any relationships. Um, I, I don't know if you've thought about friendships lately. I did a little research on it this week. First of all, there's a definition uh, that has come together for what true friendship is. A close friendship is a relationship that involves long-lasting bond of sacrifice and shared moments. That's kind of the powers that be in the world of counseling and psychology come around. They say, what is a, what is a close friendship? It's long-lasting it, and it's tailored together but of words like sacrifice and shared moments. Um, if you were to think about it today, uh, the, the country that we live in is a friendly country. Uh, oh, oh, most, of the, most of the way around it, we are friendly people. Um, COVID's challenged that a little, amen? But, but we've, we've been a friendly people. But we aren't a friendship people. Uh, in fact, if you were to look over the past 20 years... 50% back in 1990, that's 30 years ago, 50% of Americans would say, oh, I've got five plus friends in my life, people that meet this definition. Um, if you were to, to look today, a survey was done this year as we're studying life outside of, on the back end of whatever it is with COVID, um, about 27% of, of the people say, oh, I, I have more than four friends, people that I think are friends. Uh, here's a kind of a, an interesting thing. A, a best friend or a, or a close friend um, outside of marriage, um, about 45% of Americans say, I think I have someone who's a really great friend that I'm not married to. Isn't that interesting? I, I, some, some fringe friends maybe, but, but you know, a, a close friend is someone that you, you just lay it all bare with because you're not going to survive without them sometimes. And, and so I was looking through this data, looking through the words of Scripture, elevating what a friend was and thinking through my own past. And I, and I thought, you know, we bemoan the fact that friendship has been lost in America, that it's been perverted. Like if you're a close enough friend, might as well be romantic. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. We, we've, we have such a deficiency of a friend and friendship in our life in fact, we've elevated knowledge in, in learning about stuff, but we've, we've gotten a little gun-shy in action about making friends. I really thought, Lord, what does your word show us about being a friend? So instead of just talking about, man, isn't it horrible that friendship has gone awry, that friends are being destroyed, that friendship is being perverted, what if we were to look and say, God, would you show me what friendship looks like? Because I, I want to be a part of that. And, and is there a difference between friendship in Christ and other friendships in my life? Because if I'm like, if you're like me, I've seen some people who are Christians who are way meaner than other people's friends. Amen? Has your mama ever made you been friends with them? And you think, man, they don't have the gospel over here and they look like they're great friends. But yet, I'm in church sitting with people who have the gospel and I feel like we just tear each other apart every now and then or, 
or whatnot. What, what makes Christian friendship differently? Number one, Christian friendship has nothing to do with the hour, hour and a half we gather on Sunday morning. You with me? So it is not about where you go to church or what's going on. It doesn't, it doesn't have anything found in that moment. It doesn't have to do anything with a, a name on a shirt. It has to do with what we gather about, just not where we gather. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn here with me. 1 John chapter 1. This is what I think is unique about Christian friendship as Scripture points out to us. In 1 John, towards the back, you get Revelation, start going backwards, you'll find it. You'll see what John writes. And he says this, This is the message we have heard from him, that's the Lord, and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. Now verse 7, this is it. This is the friendship underlying verse. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light, right? If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with him. In other words, if we're running hard after Jesus Christ, if we're living life in obedience to the one we call Lord and Master, right? If we have a problem with the word obedience, we might have a problem with the word master, which means we might have a problem with who Jesus really is in our life. Because there's a joyful obedience that says, if you want to walk in the light and you want to have fellowship with me, then you have to be running after me, which means walking away from sin, not practicing living in the light. And so there's something unique that Scripture says Christian friendship is differentiated by. It is defined by the binding agent of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God the Father. And that makes friendship in Christ different. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean if we sit around opening and doing a Bible study all the time that that's the basis for it? Well, Bible study is part of living obediently. But there's got to be more than just learning. There has to be living because what John says is if you walk in the light, not if you know about the night, not if you're learning about the light and you can't walk in the light if you don't know about it, if you haven't learned it, but the binding agent of Christian friendship is the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ, the resurrection, life eternal, the kingdom of God. Every other binding agent falls short. If you can look in the Old Testament, you can see people would make, make packs, and for a season, they bind you together. You can see that in the New Testament. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, when they have a common enemy, will be bound together for a season, but when it's time, that binding falls apart. We can look in the Bible at, at Demas, who was bound for a little while with Paul, but the, for the love of the world, the things of the world, he fell apart. We can look at Judas who walked with Jesus Christ because he wanted to see a vision come to place that he had in mind that was not from God. And so what happens? He peels off. Church, imitations of the true binding agent of Jesus Christ will always dissolve over time. 
Here's a great example. I happened to go to a school that has won two football games in a row. I went to A&M. You know, when I go to a football game, do you know I am bound with everyone else wearing maroon and white there? Like we're high-fiving and whatnot. On my way out, if one of those people runs into my car real hard because they're not looking, guess what's happened to that bonding? It has dissolved, right? Because it's not as strong as the accident that's occurred. When we look at the binding agent, if it is not Jesus Christ, there's really only one other binding agent. And it's the person who looks at you and I in the mirror every day when we wake up. You see, if, if friendship isn't based on Christ, on his kingdom, on his mission, then it's based on me. What I like about you, what I don't like about you, how I used to like about, about you, but now I don't like that about you. What do I like about me? What do I want for me? Do you contribute to what I want? All of a sudden, if I am the binding agent, then I am the center of my universe. That's why Judas can betray Jesus. That's why Demas can leave Paul. I mean, that's why the rich young ruler can walk away because when it's all about me, then my life is focused on today. And church, we have an issue with friendship. And the issue is one that spreads all across the theology we preach. And that is this, friendship that is based on me gives you a glimpse into my eternal view of life. Because if friendship in life is about what God gives me today, then I am using eternity to highlight this moment. But scripture says, on the other hand, that this moment I'm in is supposed to be captivated by eternity. Well, if friendship is all about me, what I like, what I don't like, what I want, what I don't want. It's not about eternity. I can use God's word to say whatever I need to hear in any moment to justify any action, any way. In Acts chapter 18, we see a couple who bucks the trend of worldly friendship and gives us a vision of biblical friendship. So Acts chapter 18, verse one says this. After Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla. Because Claudius had informed all the Jews to leave Rome, he went to see them because he was of the same trade and he stayed with them and worked for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and he tried to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. Now, the first thing I want you to see is this. Biblical friendship is hospitable. A real friendship is hospitable. God uses the word for deacons that a deacon must be hospitable. If there's an angry deacon who doesn't want anyone around them, they have disqualified themselves from being a deacon. We just emptied half the churches of deacons around America, didn't we? Right? You can't be a sourpuss and serve the Lord. You have to be hospitable. It's the rule. Not mine. But, but in that same role, in 1 Peter, we see the same thing. 1 Peter chapter 4. We see this list. We need to show hospitality to the others without grumbling. Here are Priscilla and Aquila. And let me tell you their story. 
They were in Rome, most likely became Christ followers in Rome. They had to leave Rome, most likely because the Jews were so anxious about the, the people that were turning to become Christ followers that riots were starting up, that, that, these, that these, these parades of, of, of showing was going on. And, and quite honestly, Roman leadership got tired of it. So he said, if you're a Jew, get out get out of Rome. So here are Priscilla and Aquila kicked away from their home, started over in Corinth, which Corinth, huge center of trade, horrible promiscuity problems going on, not the place to raise a family, not the place you want to set down roots. And they're in this out of place, out of touch, relocated. And here Paul comes to town and guess what they say? Do you need a place to stay? You know what? How can we help you? We're tent makers. We, we have something in common. See, their hospitality to Paul was not just some random guy coming in the town. Look what Paul did, verse 3. While they were making tents, because he was saying, he stayed with them and worked with them, verse 4, excuse me, and he reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath and tried to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. Their hospitality for Paul what bound this friendship differently was that Paul was on God's mission and their invitation, their love for Paul, their reaching out to him encouraged the mission of God. If I were to ask you right now to put your friendship and the way you see your role in Jesus Christ and others, do you show biblical friendship that says, if you are about the Lord's business, then I am here for you? Jesus gives us maybe a more church in America vision today in Luke chapter 11. He says, listen, who if they have a friend at midnight and wants three loaves of bread and goes to knock on the door, the friend won't answer. He'll say, no, I'm not getting out of bed. I'm not gonna give you three loaves of bread. Who needs bread at midnight, right? Such an amazing example. But Jesus says, but if you keep knocking because you're annoying him, he'll get up and give you bread to make him stop. I feel like that's a better picture of friendship. Have you ever seen my name pop up on your phone call, on your caller ID? Have you ever thought, oh no. I wonder what he wants me to do today. Okay, y'all laughed way too quick. Is he, see, we, we find ourselves there, don't we? Like, someone's knocking on, oh, not again, Lord. I'm so, it's been a long day. It's midnight. I'm a Christian. I'll do it for my brother. I'll do it for my sister. Oh, can I hit do not disturb? Will they know if I hit do not disturb that it goes immediately to voicemail and I did it on purpose? You see, Jesus says, that's a way to, to get what you need. But that's not friendship based in Christ. Because hospitality is a, is a mark of someone who says, I want to be a friend like I have in Jesus. While I was dirty, while I was in jail, when I was hungry, you fed me, so I'm doing it for you, God. You see, Aquila and Priscilla 
it just looks like they're this couple that lets Paul stay with him. But instead, we find a couple who is willing to say, we want to be a friend to anyone who is on mission for God. In your life, as a believer in Christ Jesus, is that the kind of friend that you are challenged to be today? Or is your friend cup full and you've got everything you need for a good life? One is focused on me and one is focused on the gospel. They are hospitable. We can go a little bit further, and as we read through this, Paul and Timothy, they testified. Things got a little hot as they were testifying, as they were preaching the word. Uh, the Jews in the area, they didn't want anything to do with them. They started attacking Paul's friends. Life gets a little crazy. So finally, after staying there over a year, can you imagine that? You let a friend in to spend the night, and a year and six months later, they're still there? Come on. Saying, Lord, I don't want to be hospitable. <laughs> oh, man, but you do. Verse 18, after that time, Paul stayed many days longer, and he took leaves of the brothers, and he set sail for Syria with him, Priscilla and Aquila. At Sincrae, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went to the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Church, biblical friendship is faithful and loyal. Now, now here's the difference. Remember, in worldly friendship, who's the binding agent, right? On three, say me. One, two, three. Me, right? That's right. Got a good one back there. Right? In, in worldly friendship, I'm it. So Paul's saying, hey, y'all have been kicked out of Rome. Why don't you leave Corinth with me? They stop in Ephesus, and he says, I'm moving on. You stay here. What's, what's, what are we feeling like if we're the center of that? We're offended, aren't we? Like, wait, wait a second. I believe in you, Paul. I believe in you. I am with you, Paul. So I'm, I, left, I left our business in Corinth. And I followed you to Ephesus, and now you're going on and you're telling us to stay. You see, a friendship that is based in me is easy to offend because who is my loyalty to? Me. By God's grace, we don't see that in Aquila and Priscilla. In fact, what we see from Aquila and Priscilla is if you look in Scripture, Paul says in Romans, they stuck their neck out for me. If you, if you look in, 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 the, in the writings, you see they're starting house churches where they're, where they're training people. There's no church around and you couldn't meet in the synagogue because you were kicked out. So, so they're there saying, hey, whoever wants to come in, strange town, we're hospitable and we're faithful, but we're not faithful to Paul. We're faithful to whom? Jesus Christ, the gospel, the kingdom, the mission of God. And because we're faithful to God, Paul will always have a friend in us. Whether he calls us, whether he stays with us, whether he moves on, our friendship is not based in who I am or what I want. It is not faithful to a person. It is faithful to the mission. And because I am faithful to the mission, I am faithful to many friends. Priscilla and Quilla didn't stop being Paul's friend. 
because their loyalty was what God was doing with his bride for his kingdom. Church, I think there are times we realize that in God's kingdom, in God's plan, that our faithfulness to God is challenged when it is rooted in other things but Jesus Christ. And the enemy knows that. If, if he can't keep you from being hospitable, the goal would be to keep you from being faithful to the Lord. You see, church, we are to be a people who knows a friend in Jesus so well that every friend we have that has been bathed in the blood of Jesus Christ and is living in the light of Jesus Christ that we have fellowship, friendship with, koinonia, community with. When you are deciding who to be friends with, or what kind of friend to be, where does your loyalty lie? Where does it stand? In a sinful, broken person of whom you've gotten friends with? Or are you faithful to the almighty, living God? Priscilla and Aquila were faithful to God, and so they stayed in Ephesus and then Paul took their leave of them and went on. And so while they're in Ephesus, you realize their loyalty wasn't to Paul because they make a new friend. Look at verse 24. Now a Jew named Apollos, native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, fervent in the spirit, spoken taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he only knew the baptism of John. Well, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when they wished, when he wished to cross the Achaia, he went, excuse me, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed and he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. You see, a biblical friendship is hospitable because of the gospel and to those especially of the gospel. A biblical friendship, just not someone you're being nice to, is based on a loyalty to God and a common purpose of walking in the light that is faithful regardless of their presence or their absence. But a biblical friend is one who takes time to invest in someone else. I mean, even the world got that one right a little bit with sacrifice. Here's Apollos in this city. He's in Ephesus. Aquila and Priscilla are left behind. He's talking about the gospel, but it's incomplete. Most likely, he didn't know about Pentecost. He didn't know about the, the Gentiles being brought in. Most likely, he just, he just needed more education. Isn't it great, Aquila and Priscilla listening to him? They didn't need to make a name for themselves because they weren't basing their relationships on them. Because if they were basing relationships on them, it would have been like a business meeting. God, 
I, I need to help this guy out. He doesn't know enough. I need to enlighten him and show everybody else how much I know. Have you ever seen someone give biblically correct information in a biblically inaccurate way? Have you ever seen that happen? Here's what I mean by that. If you give biblical information to a brother or sister in Christ especially, and it is not done in a loving way, then you have given biblically correct information in a biblically inaccurate way. You follow me? If you give biblically correct information and your goal isn't to invest in them for tomorrow, you've given biblical information accurately in an inaccurate way. Priscilla and Aquittal model something different for us. They say tomorrow matters. They don't just walk away and say he's a good kid, hope someone will help him out. They don't just sit there and make him look silly because he's new and they're experienced in the faith. When he's done talking, they pull him aside and they say, can we invest in your life? There's, there's more. We've been walking this journey longer than you. Can, can we pour into your life for the gospel and for eternity? Because tomorrow matters, church. And that's what biblical friendship knows. That it's an investment. And it's not just an investment in a person. It's an investment in the gospel, in the kingdom of God. Have you ever thought about that? Every time you encourage a friend every time you make a friend you're investing in the kingdom so that the lord can gain you see we we look at friendship in this world and we talk about what's the difference between worldly friendship and, and Christ-honoring friendship. Church, there's one difference, the binding agent of Jesus Christ. It's one thing to be a friendly church. It's one thing to be a friendly person or a nice person. But what does it look like to be a God-honoring friend? It means your hospitality is driven by the gospel and the mission of God, not my comfort. It means that my loyalty to you is only an overflow, a product of my loyalty to him. Y'all, none of you, including me, is perfect and sinless. If your loyalty to me is based on my ability to be perfect, it's time to go home. But if your loyalty to the body of Christ is because of your loyalty to the king and his mission, then you will never know disappointment. What if the world knew the church 
as a people who are hospitable to one another, who are loyal to one another, and who invested in one another for the good of the kingdom. And that was their only thought. Not how this affects me today, but how am I investing in tomorrow? So before we take the Lord's Supper in just a moment, part of Corinthians that that we'll read says don't take the supper in an unworthy way. We we sing that song. It's been in my head all, all week. What a friend we have in Jesus. The only way that you know Jesus is your friend is if you are hospitable to him wherever you lead I'll go God Lord come into my life be at the forefront if if you're not loyal to God then you're not a friend I didn't say perfect but I mean if if he is not your director, your master, and your savior, not just savior, if he is not your Lord, then today you become a friend of him by professing, come into my life, hospitality, and be my everything. Wipe away my past and secure every moment moving forward. And a true friend of God walks in the light and invests in the things of the kingdom. So this morning, church, before we have the Lord's Supper, do you have a friend in Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we love you. This morning, God, we come to you and we ask that you would set our life right. Lord, the world is distorting friendship, I think, because we haven't looked at what your word says about a friend. It starts and ends with you. So, Father God, in this room, in this day, with all who are here, with all who are listening and watching, Father God, I pray that you would allow us to be honest, to confess that you haven't been the friend that we've spoken because we haven't been the friend that you've offered. So Lord, today, if there's a man or woman, boy or girl who hasn't confessed their sin, who hasn't believed in you as who you are, as Savior and and offered to follow, Lord, committed their life forever to that, would they do so right now, Father? Lord, would you challenge our church to find our identity in you and your mission, not in ourselves? In Jesus' name, amen.